Welcome back to the Gate 15 Risk Roundtable for this April 2023 edition. We're excited to be back for another month. We're excited to have a special guest, our very own <laughs> big time, Jennifer Lynn Walker. Thank you for making time to hang out with the commoners today. Jen, we're privileged to have you here with us. How are you both? I'm well, thank you very much. Under the circumstances, thank you for, for keeping my space open and not completely replacing me. But Tracy did a fantastic job, so I want to thank her for that. Yeah. Yeah, your fellow Pennsylvanian sister there. It was, it was great having her on. We're glad you're back with us this month, Jen, because I know you're always juggling so many things. And Dave, sorry, you're you're stuck with me again, but you get Jen too. I, I am stuck with you. And, and let's just be real here. It's not us keeping Jen's seat warm. It's like her finding time to squeeze us in. I think let's just be very clear on all of that. We, we it, it, I mean, it's it's tough, Jen. You, Jen's calendar is tough. Yeah. I mean, well, we, we, you know... I, I appreciate the, that commentary because, you know, with this whole new like security sprint, which I know we're going to talk about in a minute, you know, with that coming on and that, and, and, and that being in a time frame, which I absolutely can never make, you know, I was kind of taking it personally and, you know, <laughs> maybe replace, maybe re trying to fit the bill when TC, when I can't make, you know, TCE happen, which, you know, is, is kind of on a, on a little um, unofficial hiatus right now. Well, well, let's talk about pods near term, past and future. So, so with all that, Dave, good nerd out, a little solo edition. Would talk about your nerd out at all? Yeah, yeah. It's mostly because I procrastinated and I couldn't line everything up correctly, and my time was just weird. And nobody really wants to record with me at eight or nine o'clock at night. In this particular <laughs> case, I think I recorded at five in the morning or something. So it just—I was like, look, I. Poor planning yields poor performance. Hopefully, though, a lot of people enjoyed the latest nerd out where I went through a bunch of things. I really wanted to hit a couple things, and I and I've got a good plan for next month too, where I really want to talk about, you know, how you grow into this uh, in in the industry, the security industry, preparedness industry. We're really excited. I just got to get it scheduled all out, but I will this month. I promise. Um, and then I always am looking for opportunities to have Bridget and Joe on as well, because especially in light of the Nashville, I know we'll talk about that today. But nerd out aside, I'm also excited about, you know, the security sprint stuff that we've been doing. And um, this month, I, I do want to say, I'm sorry, this week, we are not running a security sprint because we are doing the risk roundtable. So the risk roundtable follows a very similar structure or security sprint follows a very similar structure, except it goes at a much faster pace. But for the risk round, when when we have risk roundtable weeks, uh, we will not have a security sprint week. So I just want to clarify that. We'll put that out in in uh, tweets and everything too. But uh, that's been a really great pod. I've been enjoying working uh, on that and doing that as well. So uh, well, I enjoyed your solo and your I enjoyed the actual topic and and the dive into the multiverse conversation as well. And I really enjoyed the sprints as well. So just to clarify that. So there still be a security sprint every week, except for the first week of the month, we have the risk round table, where it'll just be the round table. Otherwise, you'll still get the other podcasts along with the sprint. And I got to enjoy yours. Dave. And I also really enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Jeff Masters, a Michigan man, Alliance fan, just saying. And we had a really good conversation on a number of climate related issues, sea level rise, drought, cascading effects infrastructure, potential you know, challenges that could create the new uh, UN report. And I thought it was a good, you know, good conversation, had me thinking about some things. And I, I don't know that I uh, agree with every point exactly the same extent, but I, I think there's a lot to think through and, and really consider. And I think hopefully, you know, all risk leaders, security leaders will sort of think through the potential implications um, and severity of different climate threats in our changing environmental conditions. So with that, we've got some stuff to get into Today, I just want to make one more uh, sort of administrative note for those who are listening. Uh, you may have noticed if you're a regular subscriber to our daily our daily paper, the Gate 15 Sun, um, the, the tool, the resource we used to facilitate that the last almost 10 years is uh, closing shop and going away. Paper Lee's been a great partner. Really appreciated them for a number of different activities, but they're calling it a day and wrapping up. But in that process, if you're getting ready to uh, start our migration, uh, they lost access to their Twitter API, which kind of uh, hastened our ex exit to our new format. So if you're a regular Sun subscriber, you're now seeing that come to you by a constant contact and email. If you're confused, that is in fact the Gate 15 Sun, slightly different format. I think it, it works very well. If you got any questions, concerns, or feedback, please reach out to us. 
And that's gonna be part of a bigger transition, which we're really excited about, which we'll save for another day. So with that, let's get into things. Here we are, Jen, welcome back to the round table. What would you like to start us off with? Oh, I'm starting today. Wow, apparently yeah. I didn't pay attention. So- <laughs> Big time. Big, big time gets to start off. Okay, enough of the big time. Um, yeah, now I'm all distracted. So uh, from a cybersecurity perspective, I suppose the, the my main topic today um, isn't so much about the, the what and the who, but the, the fact that it happens. And there was a major software supply chain breach uh, last week, um, a software company uh, at Platform 3CX, which I have to admit, so it's a voice over IP, PBX, soft phone kind of application. If you use it, you probably know right, you know, well what it is. If you don't, you may have be like me. I never heard of it. I don't know about you two. I have just outright never heard of it. Um, but it's been likened to the uh, SolarWinds so software supply chain that happened at the end of uh, 2020, I think that was. And then... Uh, even the Kaseya one, which involved more uh, ransomware, but they still, actors did the same similar thing where they got into the development process and were able to, you know, uh, weaponize, uh, compromise the uh, installation, um, you know, the software, the installation and the updates. Um, what I really want to just, you know, I'm not here to get into, we had, we had some major uh, cybersecurity vendors who have done some tremendous uh, research and work on that, on that uh, from the analytical standpoint, super technical analysis. Um, Huntress, I mean, just nobody does it better than Huntress. I just, I can't say enough about Huntress. Um, and we'll have all the links, the relevant links. Uh, Mandiant did a lot of work on it. CrowdStrike did a lot of work on it. There's a Security Week post from Edward Kovacs that list kind of all the big players that did some really good work on it. So if you're looking to dig in on the technical side and you haven't already, that's a good comprehensive um, comprehensive uh, resource uh, to look at some of those. But what I really wanna say here um, is that kind of overall, and I've said this about websites before too, really there, there are no safe websites. There are no safe software, um, only less risky websites and only less risky software. These firms do their, most of them, many of them do their best. Um, like 3CX is taking some heat from some on, on certain things that, that I'm not going to get into, but um, yeah, you know, many firms do their best. Um, the fact is you just never know. Uh, so, you know, kind of, you have that healthy dose of um, vigilance, uh, paranoia that something's going to be compromised. I don't know. There was even kind of same topic, similar topic, but uh, still in the research phase. But there were some security researchers that identified a flaw in Wi-Fi. Duh. Sorry, <laughs> how I kind of feel about that. Um, again, it's in the research phase. It's not weaponized or anything like that. But it just it kind of points out there's just there's nothing safe about cybersecurity, about cyber and the, the, in technology, just less levels of, you know, there's just different levels of risk. Cybersecurity is about overall, it's about reducing risk because it simply cannot be eliminated. And we just have to approach everything we do online, you know, from work to personal to our, you know, smart homes and our phones and all of this. We just have to approach it with that respect that no matter how hard we try, somebody's gonna miss, may miss something. And, you know, and even, we can't even count on an air gap being secure for various sundry reasons. I mean, the only thing that's safe is if you're sitting in a Faraday cage and you built every component from scratch. I mean, every component, you haven't outsourced a thing. You've built your, your diodes and your circuitry and everything. And even then it's a closed system and doesn't talk to anything else. So. Uh, you know, and that's just an extreme, you know, example, but um, again, just approach everything with a healthy dose of vigilance that nothing is ever secure and just don't be surprised when, when things like this happen. So um, I will step off my soapbox now. <laughs> I think, I mean, you, you covered a lot there, Jen, there's lots to talk about and we could have a whole 
I think, hour-long discussion on this most recent supply chain vulnerability. It's interesting. I've got some thoughts, but Dave, anything you want to throw out there? Preferably not on mute because yeah, preferably <laughs> not on mute. Uh, you know, it's best is to have Dave on mute. But um, uh, but I was gonna say you almost take the cake from uh, Bridget on like being a Debbie Downer. I was like, oh my gosh, the world is gonna <laughs> crash around. Bridget always comes in with all these extremist like uh, things, and I'm like, oh my gosh, no. But yeah, I think you're you're right on. I think it's we shouldn't be surprised. We've talked about it thousands of times over and over again. Vigilance is the key, and, and it's maintaining that you're doing the best that you can and that you're able to identify when something does go wrong, that you need to take appropriate actions because we have to be thinking like that. It's, a, it's you know, my, my dad's uh, 76 years old now. He still won't do certain things online anymore. I'm like, Dad, it doesn't matter at this point. You know, what you have done online is enough sometimes. But there's, there's just, I think it's just vigilance we just need to continue to adhere to. And I think you brought up a really, a lot of great points there, Jen. Yeah, I think, indeed. And I think, you know, everything comes down to some level of risk management, right? I mean, everything has risk. Everything can be compromised. I think, you know, in this case specifically, I don't know that uh, people are freaking out about the fact that it did happen, right? I mean, I think we've come to accept that there is supply chain risk. Anybody can be compromised by, you know, a deliberate nation state attacker. I think you know, we accept that. Um, I think it's more in the response and communications where maybe there's some opportunity for improvement. And it's still, I think, too early to uh, be too judgmental. I think you know, after this is done, I think a good deliberate you know, after action review would be good. You know, maybe CISA's uh, safety board will do that. Maybe maybe somebody else will do that. Maybe maybe the you know three CX themselves will do that. But um, yeah, I think we've got to wait till that's done to really even 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 suggest throwing any stones. But but it looks like there maybe could be some room for improvement on when it was communicated, how it was communicated, perhaps the extent to which it was taken as a serious, much more broadly impactful threat. Um, than initially identified and shared by the company. Uh, when you when you service that many organizations, I think their client lists some six hundred thousand organizations, including name brands, world you know, world known name brands. You need to at least figure out how to handle your communications, and that's what goes back down to the fundamentals. If you're not going to you're not going to prevent every attack, you have to be able to respond effectively, and you have to adjust and execute your incident response plan. You know, pivoting off of what it says to execute to the situation you find yourself in. So you've got to have an incident response plan. You've got to train that incident response plan. You've got to exercise and validate that incident response plan and be ready for whatever actually comes. And I feel like some of that planning, training, exercising, validating, maybe wasn't as sharp as it could have been you know, leading into this incident. So those are some of my initial observations. I also just want to point out a couple of things, two things if I could, Jen. One, I'm not going to mention this individual by name. I don't know that he'd want me to, but if he's listening, a colleague who knows who he is, I'm sure. First person to really flag this, you know, I saw it, I think, on a Wednesday. Uh, he raised the flag. He raised the flag deliberately, reached out and gave me a call. And we were able to do a couple of things to help coordinate communications and, and, and uh, coordination across the critical infrastructure community with our government partners as well. Love that kind of proactive engagement, like, hey, this is something you need to be on the lookout for. Did that multiple ways. I think he's a real champion of security and I always appreciate his thoughtful perspective and expert insight. Two, uh, a colleague, Silas Cutler, um, some of his colleagues put together a, a, a tool you can log in, or not even log in, open it up and see if there might be uh, exposure and, and, and risk for your organization from where you're coming in from. Uh, easy to do, nice nice uh, tool and resource for sort of trying to navigate this immediate threat. Uh, the reference to that will include in the show notes. It's been in the sun the last couple of days, been shared on Twitter. A number of ways. So hats off to Silas, a very smart and capable uh, security pro. So uh, thanks to both those gentlemen. Uh, one, you know who you are, Silas, we called you out already and appreciate everything you contribute as well. So with that, Jen, back to you for any other comments or observations there. No, that's, uh, you know, great on the, the communication and the, uh, you know, just the that awareness level of the unnamed individual, as well as the response by um, Silas and, and his his colleagues. Awesome. Well, thank you. Good topic to start off with. Uh, more than we're going to get into, I think, but there's really mm -hmm. a lot again to comment on there. So, so great one to raise. I think we have to mention that one. Glad you brought it up, Jen. Dave, over to you. Main topic. What do you want to start us off with? 
Well, I'm afraid we have to mention this one as well. Is, uh, is the Nashville shooting in um, the the school shooting in Nashville at the at the Covenant School um, occurred last Monday after we had recorded the uh, the um, Security Sprint podcast, and so we made a little note on that on the front end. But but there's a lot to this one I find very interesting because you know when you see a school shooting. Uh, when you hear things just glancing by about manifestos and all this other things, your mind starts spiraling to a lot of things. Of course, we automatically go to what we know as the hostile events attack cycle. This, uh, you know, was something that Gate 15 has developed over the years, the seven-step process that really looks at uh, these hostile events. It could be an active shooter situation. It could be other type of situations, but these seven-step processes that we have found that most threat actors go through um, before committing their attack and then potentially trying to escape. Um, this process is, you know, we, we like to overlay it on these type of events. And because for two things, one, to see if there's still application, to see if we can find the steps that were made this threat actor took. So hopefully that we can use it to prevent or intervene before the next attack occurs. And then from an organizational standpoint, we like to use the heck process to to really examine organizational vulnerabilities and where can you improve those areas as well. So it's not just about identifying behaviors and, and suspicious events. It's also about identifying preparedness opportunities. So a lot to unpack with this one. I think a lot of the news has been widely reported. I found a couple things very interesting. One, we heard a lot of talk from the very beginning about a manifesto. And I think when we think about manifestos, we think about New Zealand, where they wrote a very large manifesto detailing the thought processes, detailing the hate-based ideology. We also think about Buffalo, where he also it was a 180-page manifesto talking about, again, ideologically-based hatred, the reasons why he did certain things, and mostly what you know our colleague Bridget Johnson has, has called out a lot of times is not so much about espousing hate, but about showing other people you can do this too. And so we get concerned when we see these these uh, these attacks in here in manifestos. What was interesting about this is this manifesto um, was not posted online. And usually if you're going to have a hate-based ideology, again, or if you're ideologically based, you're going to want to share that with other people. And by not posting it online might indicate, I'm not going to say full blower because we still have a lot of the investigation to go on, that there are other factors at play here. And I think what has also been widely reported is there's a lot of, um, you know, mental health activities around this individual. Um, I don't want to speak um, about anything that we don't have confirmations on or not. There were you know, parts that said that, you know, this individual was using different pronouns now. Again, don't want to get into all a lot of that and take away from the event. What I can say is this is, you know, the manifesto was written and it does show that there, what was revealed is that there were a lot of surveillance activities done beforehand. There were a lot of note taking. There was a lot of planning done before this. Now, this particular threat actor did go to the school, so there's a level of familiarity there. So we've talked about that in other hostile events is sometimes the individual doesn't need to do a lot of planning because they've been there before. They know the, they know the layout. They know what are the vulnerable areas. But in this particular case, the individual had graduated from this school, you know, years before um, and may needed to go back through and revalidate that surveillance and revalidate where they went in. It's not a surprise that they used the side door. Uh, if you look at the Evaldi attack back in um, in May of last year and the Evaldi school shooting, also a side door with an exposed vulnerability. The door was propped open, made for easy access. So all the security you put in place at the front door doesn't mean anything if you if you allow access to the side door. In this particular case, the side door was a glass, had glass around it. Whether it was reinforced or not, we'll, we'll find that out, but it was able to be penetrated with the weapon and the shooter was able to gain access and then carry out their attack. Couple things I do also wanna call out. One, they had a very clear um, emergency response plan in place. I think you saw, if you hadn't seen the body cam footage of this um, incident, it is posted on YouTube. I don't think there's, a, the, the city of Nashville released it. So it's not like it's anything that needs to have special access to get. But 
when the arriving officers got there, they were met by an individual who gave them an update of the situation, gave them access to the facility with a lock key. Uh, the individuals, when they were going through and clearing the rooms, all the teachers, if they had not evacuated in accordance with their plan, were uh, in protected positions. They knew what to do and know how to respond. I think, you know, obviously we we are very saddened that six people did lose their life, and, and it's it's heartbreaking for three kids. But what is positive is, and it's sad that we're at this stage, but organizations are learning, and we are getting better at this, and we are taking the appropriate actions. There are always ways to get better. There's always ways that we can improve. And I think it's important that we take the lessons learned from here and build upon it so that we can eliminate all as much of this as possible. But it does tie into what Jen was speaking to earlier. You're not going to be able to stop everything. The goal is to try to mitigate as much as we can and, and be as vigilant as we can. So it goes to identifying suspicious behaviors, reporting those incidents. And I think one thing I do want to call out is, you know, we've talked about reporting before. I've said one thing I want to call out, and then I've mentioned like 15 different things, but that's not the point. That's Dave talking. I'm rambling. I'm going long. I'm not a sprint this week. And so um, anyways, so when, uh, the other thing I do want to call out is when we talk about reporting, that, you know, this in, one individual did report to police that um, that this individual had expressed suicide ideations and threatening to uh, to do harm to themselves. Um, and nice dog, Andy. Thanks for bringing the dog up as I'm talking here. You're purposely trying to distract me. Andy now has his dog in front of him, the British bulldog. So, um, but um, the one thing about this is that um, I think it's important that organizations look when they're looking at reporting and evaluating suspicious incidents to almost have a checklist and almost have a criteria to say, hey, the, they met three of the five items here. This is requires immediate escalation. Or maybe, hey, you know, they, they hit one of the items here. Let's look at this a little bit further. I think it's really hard when you ask everybody to report stuff. It could lead to a lot of false positives. It could be a lot to, to, to ulterior motives. But maybe organizations can look at establishing an escalation criteria to say this requires immediate escalation to law enforcement this requires a follow-up this requires a, a counseling session for all you know for all we know whatever it is you come up with I think there are opportunities here um, and again for as tragic as an event this was there there are a lot of indications it could have been a lot lot more worse and and so I'll, I'll just stop there Andy I, I'm, I'm going long well you, I mean you've hit a lot it's it's a it's, it's a frustrating topic. I mean, supply chain attacks are frustrating in one sense. You know, we talk about the loss of life. It's a whole nother, you know, a whole nother, a whole nother thing. And, and these, these tragedies, you know, happen, you know, I think you, you sounded optimistic there and the, you know, we're learning. And I think, unfortunately, some organizations are learning and, and many aren't right. Every time we see something like this happen where, Everybody did what they probably should have done and, and mitigated the threat as best as they could. There's so many sad examples where things just went the other way because things weren't practiced and, and weren't prepared. And even today, as we're talking um, in, in my home state here in Virginia, um, you know, there was a, a teacher shot by a six-year-old a, a couple months back suing today for $40 million because the school didn't intervene when they had identified a suspected threat and it resulted in her getting shot. Um, you know, again. In, in Nashville, I think you covered a lot of really important ground there, Dave. I don't want to retread that. A lot to take away, but just like with the cybersecurity incident that Jim was talking about, there's still a lot we don't know yet. There's a process that has to be followed here for us to really understand what happened. There are things we can take away. There are things we can learn. There are things we can start thinking about immediately. We have to, to the threat of copycats, to the threat of you know inspired threats, and we've seen you know threats to schools immediately after Nashville. In some states, very heavy onslaughts of, of threats to schools immediately after Nashville. But, you know, this goes back to something I just want to point to that is, is a perennial frustration for me. And that's every incident that occurs right now, almost, you know, not literally, um, gets gets rapidly politicized. And I think we really saw that in Nashville in a, in a disappointing way, right? We don't know a lot of what happened there, but immediately, I mean, immediately there are calls to publish the manifesto 
typically we don't ask for manifest to be published publicly. And there's a lot of reasons for that, right? There's information to take away from there. We also don't want to enhance and augment the attacker's message to inspire others. So typically we don't ask for those things to be publicly uh, shared. We actually try and get them taken down, right? And so it's disappointing to see that happen. We saw constant naming of the attacker still today. Some very good coverage. For example, the New York Post had some very good coverage of the attack, but they emphasized the attacker's name and uh, suspected uh, gender identity uh, situation as a main talking point. And that starts to politicize the event rather than looking at the goods and the bads of what actually occurred. And that's, a, that's disappointing because that takes away from what we really need to be focusing on. And that happened at a he very high level with this shooting. And there's still a lot of things we don't fully understand, a lot we don't know. And while some people want to take advantage of this for political purposes, because some people are very selfish for their own interests, there's really a process to follow here and respect the investigations. We really understand what happened, respect the lives that were lost, respect the town and community that is grieving, and learn what we can take away from this to help prevent, mitigate, and better respond to future attacks. And so again, that's not a left or right statement. Everybody has this you know, tendency to, to take these things and politicize them. We just have to do better than that. And I'm disappointed that we didn't in this case. But Dave, you had some really, really great points. And Jen, I know um, this isn't your, your, your primary area of focus, but any thoughts just as you witness this taking place or has Dave shared anything that you want to share? Uh, nothing significant for that. Just, just obviously the, the tragedy. Um, and I you know it's probably true for a lot of regional geographic areas. Um, but right after that, I can honestly say that in past incidents, I never really, I, I don't know why I didn't see or hear of any upticks in school-related incidents or uh, supposed incidents. But in the Western Pennsylvania area where I'm at, um, there were a lot of bomb threats. Uh, uh, you know, they were hoaxes. They turned, you know, as far as I know, they all turned out to be hoaxes. But I saw right after that event, a lot of um, bomb threats against schools uh, in the Western Pennsylvania area. And again, I'm sure, you know, that's, that was true for other parts of the country as well. I just, you know, in my sphere, I can't say that I really recall that happening. I can't remember the last time I saw that rash right on the heels of something. Um, you know, sometimes those hoaxes show up in, in, in bulk anyway for various and sundry reasons, but this one seems to be in direct not direct relation, I don't, but you know, uh, definitely in close proximity to that. So I thought that was interesting. It was. I think we, we have seen, I think, more of that recently. And I think, you know, we, we see it in a different way. I think we look at disasters and scammers jumping on those immediately, right? With, with their mm -hmm. nefarious schemes to steal money and take advantage of, of well intentioned, good hearted people. Not the same thing, but similar. And it's, a lot of it goes back to, to lies and crime, and something goes back to misinformation. And I was actually just, just researching some topics related to this as I'm preparing for our Blue Jeans workshop here in a month, um, talking about the ability to you know, deliberately uh, cause confusion and, and sow the seeds of panic and, and, and fear amongst the population. And that's exactly, I think, part of what we saw play out in different locations around the country, although there might have been other motives as well. So, you know, fair points and takeaways. Dave, anything you want to close out with when we talk about Nashville here? No, I think well said. I think there's a lot of well said. It, it is very disappointing to see some of the discourse of where we really need to be focusing on. But yeah, I, I think well said. So yeah, well, I think both of you brought up really important points. Again, I think the point of this podcast, as well as the sprint, our goal is to raise you know issues that are current, you know things that are happening in our environment, to give us a chance to stop and think about what could we do, what should we do, how can we better prepare for the future. And so I think these are two great examples, things that aren't going away, right? Not a threat of supply chain, uh, threats and attacks, nor the threat of, of active shooter and hostile events. These are part of our environment. Let us you know, put aside our, our, our personal takes and issues and really look at the issues. Let us learn these coming weeks what actually happen. And let us take those lessons learned and implement them into our own plans, our own security postures and procedures. And that's how we keep getting better, building better security preparedness and resilience. So Great topics, great takeaways from both of you on those. Thank you for that. Let's move into our quick hits. Dave, this time we'll start with you. Where do you want to start us off with? Well, I'm going to do a twofold. I'm going to do a two for one here. And if you've heard our the security sprint over the last couple of weeks, uh, you may have heard some of these already. But we I want to talk two things, severe weather and um, 
and protests and demonstrations. If you don't listen to Security Sprint, we've covered these a couple times, but if you if you do, I'm just gonna be reinforcing because frankly, this is occurring now on a regular basis. We are seeing protests uh, worldwide now in, in, in almost every part of the, uh, every continent almost. I mean, we're, we're seeing a lot of demonstrations, a lot of people uh, upset about some, you know, social political issues, but also about rising inflation still. I, I think we're seeing a lot of things that came up. Uh, I think it was Portugal this weekend where a lot of the protests were occurring around inflation, uh, continued rising of prices, specifically around rent. Those are very real issues everywhere. I mean, I think the United States has been trying to be very aggressive in countering inflation, but it still doesn't mean that people aren't hurting month over month and, and we need to be prepared and sensitive to those areas. Um, also, if you, unless you've been under a rock and don't watch the news, I, I don't watch as much as I used to, but uh, it's probably worth noting that uh, former President Trump will be in New York City this week uh, under, um, you know, being arraigned. I think is a, I think that's the right word, but um, or, um, but there's been a lot of hubbub around there. There's been a lot of stirring up about what you know possible protests or demonstrations that occur could occur around there. It, it, basically, this is going to be a theater. You know, the the former president is likely to make a spectacle out of this whole thing, and and it's sad to say that we have to do that. That's not a political statement. That's just a fact. I mean, this is what happens. And so we, you know, I already see New York City has already put up a lot of barricades and is already preparing for that as they should. And, and, and hopefully it, it doesn't amount to a whole lot and hopefully everything goes as smooth as possible. But that is likely to occur, not just in New York City. I think we should expect it in other places as well. Hopefully it's not as bad. So there's a lot of protests and demonstrations occurring. There's always been the ones in France around the, the retirement age. There's a lot going on in Israel now uh, as well. Uh, but then also when we talk severe weather, uh, unfortunately, another significant severe weather event that occurred uh, across the central part of the United States, both in the Midwest and in the South again, uh, on, uh, you know, this coming weeks after what happened in Mississippi, uh, in which a dozen people were killed there uh, and, and hundreds more um, left without homes, uh, thousands of buildings destroyed, uh, a lot of things going on there. We really need to be mindful about the weather, as as we've mentioned in other podcasts that, you know, obviously we can't change the weather, uh, but we should be very attuned to it and making sure that we're, you know, when certain weather, you know, cycles come up that we're prepared for it. It's tornadoes now, a lot of severe weather going on now. Um, it'll be hurricane season before we know it. And it's also fire season. We, you know, while the, the West got a lot of drought relief this, this year or parts of the West, there are other parts that are still under a lot of drought conditions. Um, and so we need to be careful around those areas. So if we're not thinking a quarter ahead with regards to weather, it's going to come up on us and we're, we're going to be behind. So those are my two quick hits, Andy. Sorry to, to hog it there. I like this. It's very uh, security sprint like the way you raced through those. I think that was really good. But I mean, a great point on severe weather, right? I mean, it, it's predictable, right? It's something we always can anticipate. We know it's coming and yet still are, are caught off guard. But the reality is there are changes that are happening. We have to be mindful of like tornadoes, I think is a great example. We've seen some unbelievable devastation from tornadoes. We just got to be aware of sort of the conditions around us, how how our changing flood patterns, how changing jet streams can affect tornadoes and so many things. Wildfires can be affected by that. And yeah, it's hurricane season again. And again, we had some discussion about that on the interview with Dr. Uh, Masters uh, last week or the week before, worth checking out, but really good points here. And on the protest, you know, again, I think you had a really great point there, Dave. And you know, there's political glee on you know, both sides of the aisle relating to this incident because it, it does a lot, you know, politically. Don't care about that, right? But let's just sort of take it through what could happen as political tensions rise, escalation rises, tension rises. Some individuals use uh, fiery rhetoric, right? It just takes that one inspired individual, that one perhaps not healthy individual to say, I'm going to take action. I don't like what you're doing to my president, or I really don't like this former president, whichever way they want to take it. And I'm going to take action. And so as a president, former President Trump, you know, is in New York, they decide to do something there, or they see an opportunity to take out the frustration on their own local politician. And let's say that takes place in an office where that politician rents space, right? Those cascading effects of potential threats and hazards, things we need to wrap our heads around, 
Again, we don't care about the political activities in and of themselves as security leaders. It's looking at, okay, where could this go? What could happen? What do I need to think about? How do I need to prepare for the potentiality of a threat or incident at my facilities, around my people? And it goes back to that saying of, you know, we need to protect our people, our places, our data, our dollars. Am I doing all the things I can in this current threat environment to do that well and properly, regardless of my, my political beliefs or your political beliefs or her political beliefs or whatever it might be? So great points, always great points. Try to ramble on. Jen, over to you. Quick hits. Quick hits. So three quick hits. And I mean quick. Like <laughs> uh, web application security seems to be a... For, it's not talked about enough. There's lots of ransomware, you know, and data breaches, which could be part of ransomware and all of that. But we don't hear a lot about website security. So I just want to caution if your organization runs a website, don't forget about that. Make sure your, you know, website administrators and your server administrators and, and other system administrators are on top of website security. And I bring up specifically, um, there was a post this past week by a firm, security firm called Security. Again, we'll have it in the show notes that talked about 10 different types of website injection attacks. So it's kind of a way for attackers to find a weakness in your in your website and um, you know exploit that. So don't forget about website security. So that was hit number one. Hit number two is oh if you still run Microsoft Exchange on premise. I know we had the threats you know, in the in the vulnerabilities and the patches and the exploitation two years ago, now almost two years ago, um, it's still a problem. The perpetually outdated exchange servers are still an issue today. I don't have the statistics on that. However, Microsoft in the very near future is going to start uh, this rolling process of throttling, pretty much eventually leading to blocking access from on-premise, outdated, perpetually outdated on-premise exchange servers. So if you're not patching and updating or, you know, and, and you're running outdated that can't be supported, they're going to start blocking that so that their online exchange server customers, and so this isn't, you know, global, but it is, it's still important and relevant. It's an important step. So if you're running on-premise exchange that's outdated, it's quite possible in the you, I don't remember what the time frame is, Andy, maybe you remember that. Um, certain information just kind of flies out of my head. But um, eventually, any time you send an email that is destined for someone who uses Exchange Online, Microsoft's going to go, I don't think so. So something to keep in mind as, you know, again, this goes to this whole cybersecurity process um, and, and, you know, just reducing these risks. Um, so that's, if you're still running on-prem exchange and you're not up to date, you need to be addressing that. That was hit number two. And hit number three, where is it? Oh, I know. We've had, I've seen a couple of reports, some good reports lately on um, this is, uh, known exploited vulnerabilities catalog. Yay, it makes another uh, uh, hit here on, um, on the risk roundtable for me, one of my favorite topics. Um, again, not the be all end all, but such a great place to start when you're trying to deal with vulnerabilities. So specifically, I wanna bring up, there's been a lot of talk, or I've seen some reports recently, and I, I did one myself as well, on initial access. So it kind of goes back to the website security where you're finding something that's vulnerable, and it's, you know, if you're not patched or whatnot, you know, attackers use that to, to uh, compromise your website. Similar, you know, there's the, there are some vulnerabilities that these actors are using for initial access. So in the sea of vulnerabilities, in the of patches that we have to deal with as organizations every day, um, you know, trying to prioritize, especially for smaller teams, you know, one, use that, that known exploited vulnerabilities catalog from CISA because it's such a great starting point. It's such a great resource to help you, you know, minimize, you know, uh, or prioritize, you know, where to focus your efforts. But then take that one step further. There have been some reports and I'll include some of those links where uh, the items are the vulnerabilities on the known exploited vulnerabilities catalog are being used for initial access. And so they're calling those out. So if your organization uses those technologies, that's another way to help prioritize, you know, stop them before the threat actors get in. So initial access being, you know, this is how they gain, they get into your network in the first place. And those, that's where we need to stop them before they get in. Anyway, those were my three quick hits. Yeah, Jen, th those are all great topics. Big fan of security. I think they've been doing great work for a long time. I really appreciate their 
you know, focus on website security, WordPress security, a lot of other areas. And um, I know we'll share some of the links. I don't remember exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about with the Microsoft server issue, but I want to focus on the last point you made on the Kev, an article we shared in today's Sun that uh, you might have seen and, and been thinking about this as well. And the report itself goes to a report that came out from uh, Resilient. And, and I'm going to quote here from the summary provided by Bleeping Computer. We'll share both links um, in the show notes. But just to to talk about this because the number just sort of is, is mind-boggling here. Over 15 million publicly facing servers susceptible to at least one of the 896 vulnerabilities listed in CISA's KEV. This massive number is reported by cybersecurity company Resilient, which conducted large-scale research to identify vulnerable systems exposed to cyber attacks from threat actors, continues on, continues on. But one, 896 known exploited vulnerabilities is a lot. <laughs> Two, over 15 million uh, at risk right now is a big, big number. Right? These are things that we know attackers are looking at, are taking advantage of, and these 15 million are just sitting out there waiting to be hit next. So it's, it's a great resource, tremendous resource, good report, uh, great job of the computer summarizing it. Again, we'll share both those links. You covered a lot. There's a lot to talk about in each of those. Good quick hits. I'm just going to add a couple of quick items if I can, a short time we have remaining. Um, a couple of things that came out. Worth noting, I think one, uh, the president signed an executive order prohibiting the use by the U.S. government of commercial spyware. Uh, there's exceptions to that. There's some, you know, ways to get around that. But I think it's definitely worth noting that that was signed. Also, uh, Mandiant, along with some uh, publishing companies, uh, shared information on uh, Russian cyber information operations capabilities. Uh, reports under the name of Vulcan. Dive into that, talk about some of the things Russia has been looking at and doing. I think it's worth just being aware of looking at. There's a lot to look at there from a number of reputable news sources you can check out to learn more from. But I think uh, I'll stop there as far as my quick hits. I appreciate the ones that you both brought up. Again, there's a lot of links. We'll share those. Uh, some will pull right out of our reporting in the sun, additional ones that you both might have in your pocket. But with that and a short time remaining, I think we're going to jump into our three question section. Is that all right with both of you? Yay! All right, I know this is the love it, like it love is. It, hate we're gonna, we're gonna or, run yeah. that theme this week. Yeah, I, I feel that like you missed so out last bummed. month, Jen. So I'm gonna give you three questions, and you've got three options to answer: love it, hate it, or don't care. Dave, you've got three options to answer: love it, hate it, don't care. Can we play by the rules? You think we can handle this? So hard. I'll try. All right. All right. All right. First one. Recording us today on April 3rd. Spring is in the air. Winter is behind us. We're moving back to new beginnings and warmer weather. Dave, Jen, love it, hate it, don't care. Don't care. Uh, I love it. I love it is the correct answer. Jen, you're down by a point. You're down by <laughs> a point so far. All right. It's but nice I miss my, my heater. I don't get to use my, my wood burning stove in my he said when it's warm out. So. Hey, just make I kind of miss that a little bit. Summer sauna. <laughs> I make it, it a winter sauna enough. My husband opens the door and he's like, Steve, he's <laughs> open a window. All right, we're going to get our second one. Our second one. The month is just starting with a new Metallica album, 72 Seasons, comes out on April 14th. They put out some new music over the years, but this is the first studio album, I think, since 2016. And so far, four releases off this new album. Four great songs. Dave, Jen, love it, hate it, don't care. Don't even care a little bit. Not even an iota. <laughs> I I love old school Metallica. I can tell you, Andy, I didn't even know this was out or coming out. So uh, um, I'll give it a shot, but I don't care at this point. Okay, well, you both get no points for that round. <laughs> Obviously, love it. Again, four really good, strong uh, tracks have come out. Really, I, I was very pleasantly surprised how good they've been. So you can check that out. 72 Seasons title track just dropped last Thursday. Album comes out in a couple of weeks. Last one in a similar spirit, baseball, Major League Baseball, kicked off the season last week on the 30th of March. Dave, Jen, love it, hate it, don't care. I don't care. <laughs> it's American time. We've got, I know, the, I don't we've got the pitch clock. We've got so many things. I love it other than the Orioles blew a, a game on Saturday that I hated, but I, I love it. I'm ready for it. The Orioles have left you wanting for a long time, Dave. And it's, it's <laughs> like the Lions. A one for you. Yeah. <laughs> but in this round, Jen is correct. The correct answer is 
don't care. It is baseball. <laughs> no one's going to do that anymore. You each are awarded one point each. So it's a tie at one for each of you. To say I'm disappointed, I mean, a little bit, a little bit. But that's all right. I, I, I like this one. Maybe we'll stick the uh, love it, hate it, don't care for, for a little while. So it's a fun way to, to do our three questions. So thank you both for tolerating me. Hey, let's wrap things up here. Anything exciting you want to share as we wrap up today? Um, two good, well, one good movie. If you haven't watched it, there's a couple parts that are like oh, a little gay, but in a in a lighthearted kind of way. Um, Coda. I don't know if we talked about it before on this on this show or not, or if you guys have. Um, C O D A. Fantastic movie. We just we my husband and I had watched it, and then we watched it with um our youngest um over the weekend again, and I forgot how good it was. Um, and then I, the second one, I just want to say that kind of, you guys are rubbing off on me. Um, we watched it in the days disaster flick kind of uh, 2012, which my husband couldn't believe I had never seen with John Cusack. And I had never seen it. He's like, are you serious? Oh, we're still watching this, especially after we had the weather event and we had a microburst in our neighbor's backyard that took down 20 trees and we didn't, we lost power, but whatever. Anyway, so it was like, you know, we watched that after that. And, um, you know, on our generator. So, um, um, what was I going to say? Oh, with the whole time while they're like kind of toward the end of the movie while they're preparing there. And I'm like, it had all these physical preparedness things in the back of my head. So I just want to say you guys are completely running off on me. Cause I'm like, no, is that really, no, they should have done this. They was like playing, you know, after action report. So anyway. That was well, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate both of those. I think, you know, you hit a really important point there that I think is, is maybe one of the most unappreciated parts of preparedness, which I think is really having a generator backup. And, you know, people take for granted the power is going to be there. I, I think we always did. We've always been on the very robust, you know, infrastructure here in my town. But a, a few years ago, <clears throat> we had a, a really bad winter storm. It was just winds and really cold temperatures. And we lost power for, I think it was two and a half days, which was highly disruptive, you know, from a work standpoint, uh, it was, it was very disruptive for my family and it was pretty cold. <laughs> so, you know, from there, I finally said, okay, I'm going to you know, put aside the money that I need to, and should have done a long time ago, uh, bought us a, a solar powered generator that I can, I can use, uh, very grateful. I haven't had to use it yet, but very grateful. I have it available because you just never know. You just never know. And that can be such a dramatic impact to, uh, to health and wellness or something like that goes out for a certain period of time. So I'm glad you guys have yours. And then fortunately, power came back up. Thanks to all the heroes that go out there in the awful oh, weather baby. and uh, yep. put, put our systems back together, get our power running properly. Uh, I think you know, they're often Go first energy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> unsung heroes. You know, we, we all just mm -hmm. want the power back on. And, and those gals and guys are out there roughing it and getting it done. And uh, we, we rarely stop to thank them. So Thank you, responders from our energy community. We appreciate you um, greatly. We don't say thank you often enough. Dave, anything you want to That was our second one in a row, too. We didn't lose power last week, but la there was a, another similar same regional yeah. last week, too. So it was just nonstop. They haven't stopped yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Sorry. No. Good. Dave, <laughs> anything you want to throw out there? I, I I'm in heaven. I think right now I'm in like I've got like so many shows I can watch. I'm I'm behind because I can't get them. Thing I've got Succession to watch, which is yeah. at last season. It's great. I got Mandalorian. I'm watching. So far, it's been okay. It's been not too bad. You heard my rant on uh, other things on that. Um, and then I've got uh, Perry Mason, which I'm behind on, and then Ted Lasso. So again, I'm, I'm I think I'm a week behind on all of these. Um, all great shows. I'm saving them up because um, you know there might be a writer strike, so I have to you know there may be things that are not going to be uh, available to us in the future. Uh, but I will say one thing that has gotten me really uh, kind of excited, and Andy, you you may have this with your British Bulldog t-shirt, even though that's not the wrestling British Bulldog t-shirt. Um, the uh, WrestleMania was out yesterday, this weekend. My six-year-old daughter, who I didn't ever know, I don't watch wrestling on anything, but she came to me one day and said, Hey, can we watch wrestling? I was like, what? What do you like? You mean like Greco Roman wrestling? She's like, no, you know, triple H and all. And I was like, where are you learning about this? 
I blame school because it's through their reading program. They have these wrestling reading books. And she's like, I want to, I want to watch some. So we watched the Royal Rumble a couple of weeks ago. Uh, she loved every minute of it. And so this thing, she found out that WrestleMania was this weekend. And, uh, and so we watched it, had a great time. Uh, it's still as good as always. And, and yes, give me all the fake stuff you want watch some of the stuff out there it is highly highly entertaining so i'll i'll end on that well, that's right there you go <laughs> so one this is the wrestling british bulldogs oh it is the wrestling one okay this okay, is, this is uh davy boy smith and the dynamite kid oh, um, we're referencing man, here so two good. i mean big news today wwe just sold to ufc's parent company for i want to say like nine billion dollars some some very large amount i don't know if i got that number right but it was it was a lot, and uh, and so it was a really big purchase, and and bringing together some pretty huge brands there. Um, so I'm glad you and your six year old daughter are watching wrestling. You know, my, I grew up watching wrestling with my younger cousins, and one of them is a, is a professional wrestler kicking butt in AW right now. And I, I love I love knowing she's out there doing that. So who knows nice. who knows where your young daughter will end up, Dave? What what path you're setting her on? So hey, in my final uh, comment, I just want to say is we record this next month who knows you might be doing that all together kiddos so as you're listening to this podcast next month we're gonna be conducting our blue jeans workshop um, which we're very excited about you can find out more information about that at uh, bluejeansworkshop.com i think i'll double check that uh, url and we'll share the link for it but i'm um, really excited about some great sponsors some fantastic participants a lot of great uh, things coming together to talk about myths, dis and malinformation as it relates to critical infrastructure and it's a complicated issue. The more I prepare for it, the more I'm sort of really grateful they're doing this workshop. I think there's gonna be a lot of really great discussion. Uh, you can join as a sponsor and send folks to attend, or you can get single ticket purchases. You can reach out to our team. We can tell you how to do that as well. So reach out, let us know if you want to attend. It's going to be here in Washington, D.C. on May 2nd. It's going to be a fantastic discussion. We're really grateful for our partners at the Council of Governments for hosting it. And I think we've got some awesome panelists and a really exciting day of discussion ahead. So thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to all those that are involved already. And there's still room for a few more. So let us know if you'd like to be interested in our Blue Jeans workshop and taking part of that. And with that, I think we'll wrap things up. To our friends that are listening, thank you very much for being part of our Gay 15 community. Your feedback is always appreciated. Please know, really appreciate your listening and being part of what we're doing every day. Please enjoy this podcast, the Security Sprint, and all the podcasts that we take place are all located in the same channel. You can enjoy them all. And we always, again, welcome your feedback, comments, criticism, especially as it relates to Dave Pounder. Jen, it's been great to have you back with us this month. I hope we get to keep doing that. And until next time, to everybody that's listening, have fun, live free, and try to be at least somewhat reasonably safe. Thanks for listening. Thanks.